0: You got you got any small talk? Any anything going on? Just, I mean, I have before, my chef.
1: my money meet this weekend. Um, oh
0: yeah, that's coming up. Yeah,
1: I was told. Of course, I I'm, <laughs> I know one hundred percent that is, As the kids say, cap. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is false information. False folks. information, but
1: supposedly there's a CrossFitter showing up that totals eighteen hundred pounds. Right. That's coming to beat Austin Austin Blair's uh, projected seventeen ninety and to not uh, quote unquote knock me down a notch
0: yeah come on (laughs) show up
1: hey man i told i said before like my beef it's fun to talk shit but my beef was with one specific person i'm gonna be happy as many people as we can get signed up i'm just gonna be happy to see them yeah like they can make whatever they want to if they have a point to prove come prove it. it like yep do it then. I ain't got a problem with that. Yep. I will hand you that fucking money. No problem. Black.
0: Thanks for coming. I don't. Th- I just don't think you're gonna
1: fucking do it. <laughs> right. And not to mention, like seventeen ninety is what Olson's gonna need to beat a projected certain dot score of Lentinis.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Lentini is very strong. Yep. He's in a very lightweight class. So mm-hmm. because he totals fifteen hundred plus at a super one. You No, know, at one sixty five. Anyway, um, that light. Yeah, so he may be 181 this weekend. I don't know. He did tell me he was cutting.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: just posted 461 at the meet I was at in December.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So Austin knows he needs 460. He probably needs 460 to win. Right. So his numbers with his current body weight, not his 242 body weight, his current body weight of 264 pounds, we need 1790 for 470 dots. So, like, mm-hmm. as you know, like, Pretty much, depending on drug tested or not, 450 plus is pretty much, uh, you're nationally qualified for fucking everything at 450 plus. So, I mean, like, you're pretty fucking elite at anything over 450. So, to say somebody's going to come in unpeaked, untrained, of course, you know, CrossFitters, they stay ready for everything. Stay ready. (laughs) They stay ready, baby. Uh, But I think somebody's going to come in unpeaked, untrained, and beat either one of those guys and dots
0: is very silly that's pretty silly that's pretty silly
1: even if you're even if the guy's capable of 2,000 right the likelihood of them coming in and posting up 1,800 like casually
0: Mm -hmm. pretty pretty hard to
1: that may be a stretch but like you know
0: it's gonna be pretty fucking that's gonna be a pretty hard number to beat yeah um untrained and we're talking crossfitters so So we're not talking like we're not talking about heavy people either Right, the, if you're a CrossFitter, you're going to be light, so you're going to be a, a light body. Best
1: fitter. case scenario, he's really tall. He's a really tall two forty two. Right. Like, in terms of body weight, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. So I just don't see a two hundred forty two pound CrossFitter going eighteen hundred pounds.
0: Very unlikely. Prove us wrong. Show up. Prove,
1: Prove us, us wrong and show up. Yep, that's that's all I got to say. <laughs> I it. do think it was just somebody annoyed by my shit talk.
2: Probably just spouting lying
1: off. to lie, yeah. but
0: okay hey, we'll say it publicly again come on come on come, come get on. it it is what it is show up but better, yeah we got be- that. you better squat to depth squat to depth better
1: squat to depth most of my uh, have to say most serious crossfitters don't have a problem squatting depth so yeah it is what it is they catch cleans low it is what it is but
0: austin blair better squat to depth
1: <laughs> that's my that's my only worry you know i mean yeah um likely looking like uh, probably i probably am gonna have you do be, be head judge because i trust you with commands and mm-hmm. stuff um sandy's gonna be on an the side and i'm gonna put one more person on the side
0: and, um and you'll be scorekeeping.
1: i'll be expediting and scorekeeping. yeah so yep. i'm gonna be responsible for telling them what to load writing down thumbs up and thumbs downs. Yep. we don't have a lot system so you know yeah, it is what it does
0: that's how they had to do it at uh, regionals this past weekend. Their system went down, so they were doing. They had flags. They had red yeah. and white flags. So, which wouldn't be a bad idea. It might be a little easier to comprehend, but and it probably can't, can't be that expensive, right? Yeah, I'm, flags. I'm gonna go bare bones. I'm gonna do it
1: That's like fair. I always have done it. My day, so. <laughs> That's fair. Um, the fact that we're gonna have a, everybody traveling from the the to the bench bench press to the deadlift platform they're not all going to be in the same place yeah it's going to be an interesting affair
0: yeah (laughs) warm-ups are going to be probably weird weird,
1: but i mean we'll have two squat bars because i just bought a squat bar for the garage okay and i'm bringing one so Mm -hmm. uh, as you know they have plenty of squat space yeah uh they can warm up on any power bar for bench press right it doesn't really have to be the texas bar and then we'll have two deadlift bars to warm up on so
0: are you bringing ours
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. i mean that's, i don't have a choice so. right oh, i don't care like i'm, um, I'm also I, bringing our brush <laughs> yeah
0: um are you telling all spotters and loaders brush off every yeah. yeah yep that is a key are we getting gloves gloves for the spotters and loaders no I don't, I can't <laughs> you smashed that. finger <laughs> sorry bud that's it your finger's gone
1: i mean listen for the we'll probably do just straight 45 pound plates for squats mm-hmm uh for deadlifts, if as long as I don't have anybody deadlifting sub two forty five, I'm probably just gonna start out with a hundred pound plates. Yeah. And add on top of those. And then bench press will be pure pure 45s too. Yeah. So But we're probably gonna at least have a rubber 45, if not a rubber hundred, on the inside yeah. of the deadlift. So we don't have competition plates. So yeah. But if if everybody's lifting on the same thing
0: It's all fair. It's all fair. Yeah. So fuck it. You signed up for it. Yep. Yeah. You should you should have known. This is some redneck under, shit. Underground money meet man. This is not a uh, not a WRPF USAPL US. I'm not gonna lie
1: to you. I, mean, I talked to
0: Austin today because I had to talk to him about his programming moving forward. And I like
1: with Austin especially being a lot more. I would do this with you too. Me and you talk daily though. Me and Austin don't necessarily talk daily, but to keep him dialed in, I like I always have, like a constant back and forth with Austin about. What's working, what he feels like doesn't work, what we need to remove, what we need to be replaced and stuff like that. So I had that conversation with him today and uh, he's pretty fired up about it. Yeah, I'm sure he's a little he's he's a little aggravated to some extent. It's him and only a few people from our gym like representing us and that we have more people competing from outside than we do inside. So he's very like everything's on him football minded, almost like got to protect this house. This is my fucking place. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. not going to
0: lose. Right.
1: Basically, my meat is what Austin's yeah. view is. So he's pretty fucking motivated. So, yeah. If, if, also, I think Austin just wants the fucking money, which is that's why we're giving out right. money.
0: <laughs> 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 and that's what it is. So, thinking about it, if if four, four, 450 to 470 is kind of like the top range that we're looking at as far as dots goes, I'm, my could have been ready, honestly, but yeah, I mean,
1: I wouldn't throw money in it now.
0: No. Like, I mean, when's I'm, the last time you've taken a heavy lick on... On squats is a long time. Bench and Bench and deadlift. Bench and you've done it re- regularly enough. Yeah, squats yeah. I am so far away from. Like, yeah. We're just now figuring out, hopefully figuring out what's wrong with We squats. need to talk, touch on that tonight,
1: too. Let's about go ahead and that. talk about it and in small tightening. talk. Small talk. <laughs> we've uh, we've we've small talk for ten minutes. We probably need to get into the episode a little bit. Nah, most of that is getting cut off. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, we we can we can bring this in. So you're free.
1: you're um, me and you kind of discovered this. At, I discovered it on my own. You discovered it by listening to mm-hmm.
0: Um Insema from uh, Mark, Bell. Mark Bell. Yeah. Um, Which you just kind of reiterated, and when you said it, I and I'll but, just say this: I was thinking about it. Not in a powerlifting perspective, but when you said it, I was like, oh, so I can take this in a powerlifting perspective. Yeah. So bear in mind that. So it's, it's a really good habit to be in, but
1: what I found in my squat, and me and Nathan don't have the same squat problems, but we have similar squat mm-hmm. problems, I would say. They're not identical, but a lot of the same things will solve our issues. Yep. As y'all know, I've talked about it a thousand times. I've torn my right labrum. I have a lot of problems with that right hip. Yada, yada, yada. And what I have found is over-tightening my knees, like driving them out, over-exaggerating the tightness I'm driving out with has caused me more hip pain than I can tolerate most mm-hmm. of the time. So what I have discovered is, one, this is something Juggernaut taught a long time ago, and it's probably the only Juggernaut lesson I've ever been stubborn about, and goddamn, if they wasn't right. <laughs> um, I was watching that Nicholas Dupreez actually squat this weekend, yeah. and I was like, he's knees first. But knees, you breaking your knees before your hips.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody coaches breaking your hips before your knees. There is a certain level of powerlifting where that is just no longer true. Yeah. So one, I started breaking in my knees before I broke broken my hips. So I'm leading my squat with my knees, like pushing them out over my toes. And then I have just quit over tightening my hips.
0: Knees, or
1: your hips? Well, i quit over t- tightening my hips,
0: driving your knees out, right, which is the which is causing the, the which
1: is causing the hip impingement, right? So like. Um basically I've started squatting with loose hips. Yep. And lo and behold, I can tolerate a lot more volume. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, if anybody's been following me on Instagram or Facebook, um, you know, I did reset my squats. So right now, my top squats like 250 pounds, which is extremely light for me, but I'm just trying to get readapted to volume. So I haven't had any licks over 400 pounds to really tell you whether or not that's been fruitful. But um you should be tight and I think you should be extreme excessively tight in your upper back and in your lats and stuff still. Mm-hmm. But like I'm not so sure that being super tight in your hips is super beneficial.
2: <laughs>
0: right. Um, and for me it was that constant driving the knees out was causing me knee pain. Right. Yeah. So I'm when I'm when I'm getting ready to squat, I'm I'm really like rooting in and pushing out. What really made it for me was instead of digging in and rooting out. I'm digging in and I'm pushing my glutes. So like basically instead of my knees causing tightness, my glutes are causing tightness. Sure. Which yep. is taking pain away from my knees and my low back.
1: Yeah, that makes so sense. Yep.
0: That's that's where I am. And also, you know, coming forward with the knees first. Um,
1: I, think my, I think the difference is my, my perspective is to drive my knees out like we were talking about, over-tighten my hips. I have been actively like squeezing my butt really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's wrong. But I don't think... I think squeezing your butt's enough. I don't think you should be, like, physically turning your knees out and squeezing your butt like right, I
0: Right, yeah.
1: Because it's, like, excessive tightness at that yeah. point. You know what I mean? So...
0: And it could just be our body mechanics. People may be able to do that just fine in a situation ours. I don't think I, can. Ours. Right. I think
1: it's going to be something that saves my squat to be completely honest yeah. nice with you. So,
0: yeah, and, and for me, it's like being a little looser in the knees is causing less knee pain. My lower back pain has pretty much been eliminated so far. I haven't had a whole lot of incredible pain lately. It's really just been my knees causing me the most problems. And so getting my knees situated was the big thing. Which also I'm swapping to SSB for for a block or two um to also kind of reinforce some some technique and hopefully that
1: hope, helps with load management too, because most of us don't SSB what we back squat.
0: Right. So I'm hope I'm hoping that we'll get a little bit away from knee and low back pain, still be able to develop my squat moving forward come back to either high bar or low bar squats. I haven't decided yet and a block or two and uh, see how it feels. And then I'll let you know then.
1: Yeah. But you know, <clears throat> a good example of this is I was talking to, I was talking to my wife about this. Um, but one thing that's never felt good on bench press, even though I do this, I've never exaggerated it. Cause it's never felt good to exaggerate is the bend the bar cue. Yep. Like I do that naturally. I'm really good at keeping my elbows mm-hmm. stuck. Like I don't flare my elbows a lot on bench press. But, like, over-tightening always caused me an immense amount of pain mm-hmm. going down specifically, right? So, for me. so, like, for me, like, keeping that, it's like the answer was there all along. It's just a different different right muscle group. Mm-hmm. But, like, the over-tightening on bench press for me has never worked. It's never been a good cue for me. I've never been able to bench press heavy or bench press well like that. So,
0: yeah. you know
1: that makes sense to me
0: for me it, it wasn't quite the because i don't really bend the bar but what i do is i engage my rear delts right sure, yeah. so that doing this and doing this cue you
1: of pulling the bar apart as right. opposed to bending the bar yeah. yeah
0: and i don't even now i don't even bend the bar apart i can sit there and i can feel my my rear delts and i can pull pull apart yeah, sure so I, I get that without having to actually like do yeah this and motion.
2: you know
1: like i'm probably achieving that in my setup because i'm really good about laying on my shoulder blades pinned mm-hmm. Like, that's really if what you are looking for. Yeah, if you're you know already
0: I mean? in this position and you're already stretching everything, you're you're fine. Yeah, so like, you're just good to come down.
1: I think it's very rare, and I am very reluctant to tell new people to do this because, like, these habits are things that do need to be exaggerated in good people and uh, new people. But mm-hmm. uh, I think beyond a certain point, like, over-exaggeration probably causes some problems. Well,
0: it's like um, you said, right? You were, you were texting me. We know this. Our body knows this already. We have muscle gotten memory, this muscle yeah. memory. So we don't have to exaggerate this. Our body moves that way naturally. Sure. Like, yeah. we don't we don't think about it. Our body moves that way. We
1: are over cueing that to the point that it is no longer natural. Right. Is what it's causing saying. us yeah. pain.
0: Yeah. yeah. So food for thought, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Something, something for if you have knee or low back pain or... You know, pain in your bench press stuff, what we just talked about. Ironically, talking about the knees driving out,
1: I've always been really good at doing it on deadlift. Mm-hmm. It's, really, really been a, it's always really benefited my deadlift. But what I've noticed, me and you have talked a lot about getting my knees out over the bar more mm-hmm. on deadlift. Well, I quit over-exaggerating that, and all of a sudden, guess where my knees are on the deadlift?
0: You know, over the bar? Yeah, without even me thinking yep. about it.
1: Like, naturally, just like, I'm position, just getting in a position, and when you go to
0: pull the slack, your knees are just coming yeah, forward. Or
1: over the bar, yep. yeah. Well, I was limiting my ability to do that. By driving by. my knees out too much, mm-hmm. because when your knees drive out, they don't drive forward, yep, or it reduces the amount they drive forward yep. by, so there you go uh it's all mechanical <laughs> I mean, and it's but I have a very mechanical mind, so this kind of stuff makes very very good sense to me, mm-hmm. like I'm a very good shade tree mechanic on like a car, like there's very little things I can't do to a car, maybe with the assistance of like a YouTube video where like, right. I'm not going to go unassisted, but mm-hmm. like I can pretty much do anything I want to to a car because I understand. Like how mechanics works. Well, mm-hmm. our body mechanics are the same way. It's all leverages and levers and stuff like that. Right. Like if you push this this way, this has got to go this way. Yep. Like I mean, so it just makes sense in my mind a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I said, food for thought though.
0: Yep. So episode episode time. Yeah,
1: we are Drinks. drinking watermelon apple old fashions. They're decent. I don't think it's the best drink I've ever made,
0: but they're we were... drinkable. They're they're not bad. They have an odd combination of flavors, but it's not bad.
1: I thought it would go to better get it together better than it does. Yeah, but it's not bad
0: at all. Yeah, no. I'm I'm perfectly fine with it. like I could probably I could probably drink another one. It's kind of like it almost for some reason it's probably just the apple flavoring, but it kind of just reminds me of like a spiked apple juice in a way. Yeah, with that's a little, fair. little 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 like salty from the watermelon. Yeah. Just
1: we did buy, but, we did do a salted watermelon whiskey too, so it does have a little bit of a flavor an old fashioned normally what you have too. So, but we've done salted watermelon on the show before. We just never mix it with apple. Listen, we were fucking broke this time. Didn't, <laughs> it's fucking expensive to buy a fucking hundred dollar bottle of liquor every week to make the new drink. So, like, you know, and it's, I I do have kind of expensive taste. So, like, it's pretty common for me to buy like last whiskey last pure whiskey I brought over here. I think it was Woodford. Yep, which isn't super expensive, but it's still a sixty or seventy dollar right. bottle. And then if I need simple syrup and cherries and stuff like that, its yeah.
0: it, drives need it to up make significantly. That, you know, I that simple syrup with the brown yeah. sugar—I made some. You I did? Got some at home. Okay. I just—I just need to bring it over here. But you got it in a bottle?
1: Uh, in a ramekin. But okay, uh, it
0: is what it is. Yeah.
1: But um, didn't have a bottle to put it in. But
0: I got one. You can take. Well, it you just time. use a
1: funnel and just. Yep. I'll just bring it over here. Yeah. Like, yeah easy to do. But uh, yeah, that's the drink um welcome to the show guys i'm uh, zach (laughs) he's nathan you can find us at coleman underscore barbell uh, at sip it and rip it at nathan Skedios. uh listen to us on spotify apple podcasts watch us on youtube like and subscribe and all on all of them uh leave a comment um leave a review all that good shit um hit us up on instagram we're pretty good about talking to people we don't have a huge fan base so right you know all 10 of you we could have conversations with all 10 of you at once if you want to right that doesn't matter <laughs> Get
0: that little group combo start, start on threads start, st- i i've never touched threads like
1: I, I had it for about 37 seconds and i was like this is fucking annoying <laughs> and it's as toxic or more toxic than fucking x is so mm. twitter but no i'm yeah. good yeah, I'm out. We'll just stay out of threads. I think I'm done with toxic social media stuff. I had an experience with some somewhat <laughs> toxic social
0: media stuff today, and yeah, a drag. It's it's really bad these days. It's just like people want to complain about something, no matter what it is. Lots of fucking gatekeeping. Yeah, and I, like today, I got,
1: I got, <laughs> I got my ass handed to me by people I know. I was in a musicians group on Facebook. And I posted up an instrument that I have that is like highly modified. It's originally a cheap, cheap piece piece of equipment. I can't lie, but it's really heavy, heavily modified. It's also unique to me, and I've played the shit out of it. Like this thing's like road worn and everything else. And people wanted to talk about how shitty it was, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but like I've fucking played it forever, and it's mine. And like by, by and large, like comments and stuff are really nice and fruitful and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But you still have these assholes that are just like.
0: Fuck you! What did you do to that thing? Like all this stuff. Like it's those people that haven't been punched in the mouth before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's (laughs) honestly in a musicians group. It's people that have never played a professional fucking gig before. That's fair. And uh, I've kind of always known this. Like one of the reasons I got out of music is just fucking constant gatekeeping. I actually made a post about it on Facebook not too long ago, uh, or on Instagram. But like I used to have people in my group that made my life like people I played with, like played original music with that made my life miserable because if I wasn't listening to the exact same thing they were listening to at the same time, then that was just fucking lame. Like it was just like, like I was beneath them yep. like all the time. Like, well, I just like what I like. Like, and I got into music because it was fucking fine. Right? right. So like, it, those people made my life fucking miserable because I felt like I was supposed to keep up mm-hmm. or like, when really You're- if I just did what I wanted to do and just listen to what made me happy, it would have been a lot fucking more fruitful Mm -hmm. but fucking music man it's fucking wild like that yeah and i'm guilty of it too like the only thing i really gatekeep is i'm adamant about how bad country music is country music fucking (laughs) sucks and i admitted publicly the other day there are there are songs that transcend the genre that mean a lot to me and stuff like that um i think just being from the south you're gonna have one you know um but uh it's It's just funny too that I don't know i i I'm a little guilty of it, I'm a little snotty. I'm trying to get better about that um but like coming from other musicians it's fucking hard though I guess real fucking hard and i I remember specifically I used to have a couple of guys that I played with that were one in particular was one of my best friends growing up, and he is a shit musician, mm. but he always had. A cooler taste than you did you know what i mean ah. that whatever he was listening to is always cooler than whatever you were listening to mm-hmm. right and that fucking sucks like
0: yeah that just makes it like frustrating
1: yeah especially when you listen to it and i'm like man this is kind of dog shit like this isn't <laughs> like it's not necessarily that it's bad music but it was like man this just doesn't like if it doesn't speak to you in any any kind of way but you're like expected by your peers mm-hmm. to think that it's cool it's like i don't know man it really like it's, gr- it's really grating. Yeah. It's really fucking grating, to be honest with you. Like, and I think, uh, honestly, I know this happens in fucking fitness and stuff, too. Like, me and you made the joke earlier about I could bench press 600 pounds tomorrow and somebody would be under the comments, like, telling me I did it wrong. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's not near as bad in fitness as it is in music, dude. <laughs> Music's also unique in that... People who have never played a downbeat before in their life, have never picked up an instrument, never played, seem to think they have some position of authority or opinion when it comes to music.
0: That's fitness, too. Like, as soon as you said that, it was throwing alarms off. I mean,
1: there is those people in fitness, like... There's always some fucking couch potato telling you you're gonna fucking blow your back out because you're deadlifting or some shit like that.
0: Talk talking about MMA fighters. Well, if he had done this, be like, bro, you've never thrown bro, a punch that, in your life. Was,
1: that guy would fucking kill you dead in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, it's the armchair quarterback, yeah. right? Like, I've always hated that about football. Like, there's certain people I can't watch football with because they're like, and this this transcends what team I'm a fan of. Like, I will not, I won't watch this with another Auburn fan that wants to talk shit. Like. If you're going to pretend like you're better than that person on the field, like we know that's not fucking true. Like you didn't get a fucking full ride scholarship to fucking Bama or Auburn to fucking play quarterback. That's a fucking 19 year old kid you're talking shit about Mm -hmm. that is like so immensely talented that you've fucking never seen before. And just because he's not doing what you want him to do on Saturday, he's fucking dog shit. But your fucking 400 pound ass sitting on the couch fucking complaining about him is dog shit. (laughs) Like. I think I do think
0: Bama fans are the
1: worst about that, to be honest with you.
0: Wasn't there like, like a kicker that they were crucifying because yeah. of this field goal? Yeah, absolutely. Or it's an extra like, point. I can they've remember. had a
1: couple of good kickers in a row in a row, but yeah, they were used to like fucking just murder kickers. Like motherfucker, if you think you can go kick a fifty yard field goal, fucking go suit up, baby. Go do it. <laughs> like, like that poor kid. Yeah, like this and not to mention at the college age, some of these kids have been roll early, so you might be talking about a seventeen year old kid. Mm-hmm going out and playing their heart outs, doing what, like, only, like, a handful of people in the world can do, and you're going to tell me that they fucking suck yep. because, yeah, they got something wrong, or, yeah, they dropped a ball or whatever, but, like, that kid doesn't suck. It's just a fucking bad day. Yeah. Like, blame the adults. Blame the fucking co- coaches. Blame somebody else. <laughs> but, like, don't tell me it's a fucking kid's fault. Right.
0: Like, that sucks. I mean, even on a pro level, like... <clears throat> it may not even be the, the pro level itself. is even
1: fucking worse. Yeah. Like this part, like if you're an NFL player, you are one in a fucking billion probably. Like you are, if you're on the roster and never see the field, you are the elite of the elite of mm-hmm. the elite at that sport. Like, honestly, like, I mean, like if you're, if you're just good enough to make a roster,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like you were one of the best on the planet at what you do. And people want to talk about those guys, like they're fucking dog shit or something. like,
0: it's funny. It is. It's like, yeah, <laughs> Like, when absolutely. you sit down and dissect it, it, all you can do is laugh at how ridiculous it is.
1: Yeah, and I think the point about, like, like non-musicians or non-lifters, it doesn't matter. Non-musicians or non-lifters, like, <clears throat> people that, like, criticize me for how I play or how I lift that hadn't ever done it before, that's just, like, that's just, like, painfully odd to me that, like, I don't... No knowledge on it. I no don't know. Like no, like, like, no knowledge on it. No information at all. And you think that, like, you have some authority over what I'm doing or what I should do? Or... Mm-hmm.
0: They watched the Squat You video once. <sighs> yeah, that's it. Like, <laughs> like, like they, they, while they, the they feed, were scrolling yeah, yeah. and yeah. eating Cheetos, they like, saw you know, Squat You video. I don't know. It's
1: just weird. Like, I just don't like the armchair quarterback of yeah. any top in any position in sports.
0: And that's really what like, it is. Like, you
1: know, there's people in our lives that played like college ball. Two examples right off the top of my head is Ron, mm-hmm. played college baseball, and my uh my boy Brody, who plays college baseball. Like, if those two men speak about baseball, listen. They have some fucking authority over that, that sport that I don't fucking have. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fine. I will listen to them. They can say things. I think they've earned the right to say things the rest of us can't. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like just like us in powerlifting, I think well, we have earned the right to say say things that maybe other people can't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are people that are much more qualified to say those things than me and you are. Yep. Like it just is what it is. It's so weird to me that like for whatever reason though, that people think that they have some type of
0: It's that, man, it's it's the internet. It's literally the internet without repercussions for saying things. That's that's and I mean I get it, freedom of speech is great, but also I, I, I believe that you should also have the freedom to punch somebody in the mouth for saying shit. I,
1: I wish that we would go back to that. Honestly, it looks like Texas is about to leave. Maybe we should become Texas.
0: <laughs> Let's go. I moved to Texas. I like Texas. Super cheap housing market. San Antonio is beautiful.
1: Fucking Texas I'll, in general is badass. I mean, the, the river walk, man. And we got beef based barbecue. That's Ah, funny. man.
0: <laughs> Sounding better already.
1: Brisket over pork all day long. I will fucking fight you. <laughs> like, period. But I don't know, man. Fucking gatekeeping.
0: Don't gatekeep. That's no, long I mean, and short fuck. of it. Fuck. I
1: don't know. <laughs>
0: we got fired up on that mm-hmm. one. Uh, PR songs? Yeah, I actually have uh,
1: one. Or two today. I don't think um, I have any. Man, I hate this because this is me gatekeeping after I say I would not gatekeeping. I have a couple of good ones though.
0: Actually. Go ahead. No, go ahead. You go ahead. I'm still pulling um, it up.
1: All the normies listen to it. I shouldn't refer to them as normies after complaining about gatekeeping because this is a sleep every, token. Yeah, it's a sleep token <laughs> song. Um but it's an older Sleep Token song, so I get to have a little bit of hipster back by saying I, I listened to them before you listened to them. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it before it was cool. Um, there's a Sleep Token song called Nazareth, and um, it's a badass. It's a badass song. Like lyrically, it's hyper violent, and I yeah. just yeah, and it's not really hyper violent music. So like having lyrics that are like hyper violent set to music that's not mm-hmm. is interesting it's, it's an appeal to me like i fucking <laughs> like it like super sexy song um man those fucking lyrics though i just need to pull them up real quick because they're they're fucking good i have lift i think i've actually posted uh I'm gonna turn my volume down so the song do not actually play i think i've actually posted a lifting video to this but anyway
0: lyrically similar to can it's course.
1: basically talking about it's basically talking about shooting a bitch just to see what a hollow point does to her <laughs> Damn. I mean, I mean the, but I mean there's definitely um uh a little bit of like there's like an S and M quality to it too though. It's a, okay. somewhat in a strange way sexual.
0: That is interesting. <laughs>
1: um but it's a really fucking good song. And it's not super heavy. Uh it does end heavy, so you'll appreciate it. Um But uh yeah, that's my first entry is Nazareth by Sleep Token. I'm
0: gonna we'll put in two because it's the I same got another one too. That same EP, same band uh boarded put out a two song ep Did i haven't gotten got to, to listen to it yet i'm super man. excited i'm
1: waiting for like uh, uh aborted is a man i have to wait for an appropriate moment that's fair you know what i mean like i need to be probably tomorrow when i'm pressing
0: yeah All right. so uh the ep is called Dreadbringer. first song is Dreadbringer. uh they have shadow of intent guesting on it, i believe not vocally I believe it's the guitar, one of the guitar players that is guesting on there because the music is very much, very much a mashup between aborted and Shadow of Intent. It's very good, very
1: aborted fucking ribs. Both them do, but
0: it's very dark though. It's very like thematic, um, very cool. I love it a lot. And then the other one, I'll pull the name up of it real quick. is Death Cult, and they have Despised Icon with them which i haven't listed despised icons since like 2010 I mean, that's, <laughs> but... <laughs> that was like both the beginning and the end of death <laughs> like, it really <laughs> was it really was but uh, it's actually really good i really enjoyed it um so both of those songs definitely get down to those
1: bro clay byram sent me this band and i think it's just a couple of dudes and their guitars and and one does uh some vocalists like i think pretty sure they got their name from a uh from a deftone song called kim dracula but the name of the band's kim dracula um and the name of the album is a gradual decline in morale which i fucking love (laughs) the title of it
0: it's very true too
1: man this song is so this whole fucking album is so fucking good but uh there's a song on it uh called make me famous uh and it is i can't lie to you it's wild um if you're a fan of super heavy music, that's definitely off the wall heavy, um, and like maybe a little progressive stuff, like maybe like Twelve Foot Ninja or like a band like that. Um, King, 8, they kind of have a little bit of King Eight Ten in them. They have a little bit of new metal mm-hmm. and like Manson. Like if you're a big if you're a Maryland Manson fan, you'll probably like them. Um, okay, but Make Me Famous is a fucking Awesome song. The whole album is fucking good, to be honest with you, but it's weird. Mm. It is out there, like not out there in like a polythia, like super virtuosic kind mm-hmm. of kind of way, but like it's just fucking weird. But
0: lyrically or musically or both.
1: Musically more than lyrically. The ly- lyrics are pretty like, hyper violent. Like, right. I tend to lean that way for gym music, but um, but yeah, you need to listen to that fucking song.
0: I will take. I will. I will. I think I'm. I'm on D-Load, so I'm not going to have any reason they're, to get uh, really hyped, but I'll listen to it.
1: They're uh, a little, like, visually a little off-putting to me, but...
0: Like the people? The yeah, band. but,
1: like, no shot
0: at them or anything. That's their stick, so right.
1: it is what it is, but but it's really fucking good music, so...
0: I mean, I always talk about um, the drummer for Shadow of Intent. I can't remember his name. He looks like he's on Ecstasy when he's drumming. <laughs> he actually kind of reminds me of a skinnier version of Jackson. Honestly. <laughs> okay. Like, that's that's what I think. But but he's just like just they're playing super heavy music and he's just back there just like smiling and playing drums and just chilling. It's like
1: I'm going to put a third one on here. I know we don't normally do this, but because one. I mentioned them um, and they're weird, too. Um, I didn't realize this was like a, apparently this is a politically polarizing band because the singer apparently was part of. The January 6th shit, or he was present for the January 6th shit. Mm. Um, I don't, keep in mind, I don't necessarily support these things, but he apparently they're polarizing because he was part of that. But King 810 has a band, uh, uh, has a name of a song. King <laughs> 810 has a song called uh, Say Cheese and Die. And uh, it's also very strange, but very fucking heavy and and a really fucking cool song. So mm. my introduction to them was uh, Brandon Allen's... Uh,
0: his podcast
1: no he had a lifting video mm. um i can't remember the name of the king 810 song but my introduction to king 810 was brandon allen and uh uh there's a song called alpha and omega um that's just it's definitely kind of new metal leaning but it's just god awful heavy mm. and i remember him squatting that uh he he made like a collage of all his squats but he squats the 1018 or whatever to that song it's fucking awesome that's <laughs> like, pretty cool badass so listen to king 810 there you go. Ignore politics about them because you don't want to ruin good art because of somebody's opinion.
0: <laughs> yeah, I get, that's one of those things. If you have a stance against it, whatever. If you're kind of like us and we don't really mix politics and music,
1: I like straight from the path and I like some Rage Against the Machine and I think their politics suck. Yeah, but like good music's good music and it just doesn't fucking bother me.
0: Right. Right. Like, so, what was that whole deal with Behemoth? Their lead singer not he?
1: Yeah, Nurgle, um, who is Behemoth, basically. I mean, right. they, he, you know, he's had pretty permanent members, but um, Nurgle had a T-shirt that said "Black Metal Against Antifa." Yeah, that he wore out freely. Big fucking deal. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever—I don't know if you've ever been around the genre of black metal, but this is not a particularly accepting group of people. <laughs> In fact, I would say that they're pretty hard on the rest of us. Yeah. So, like. it's not surprising or upsetting to me to see him wear a t-shirt that says black metal against Antifa. I mean uh, also, you know, just from a, just a pure fact standpoint, they play like super hyper evil music and it is what it is. But that guy has done more for like cancer and cancer research and for children than almost anybody else in music. And he does it from a point they're a European band. So they make a little bit more money than other bands of that genre Mm -hmm. would. Like they can still chart in the pop charts, like, right? Where we don't have black metal bands, pop, you know, yeah. charting in pop charts here. But Behemoth makes a little bit more money than other black metal bands do, and that guy has done a tremendous job giving his money away to children of all colors, creeds, and nationalities to save them, Uh, because he's a cancer survivor too. So, like, I don't give a f- I don't give a fuck what kind of shirt he wore. Why? Right? He's done enough good deeds, more good deeds than most of us can ever fucking imagine. Right. <laughs> so, you know what I mean. So. He gets a fucking pass. Oh, there. <laughs>
0: That's fair. That's yeah. fair. So, Jim, this week, um, I'll go ahead and start. Yeah. Only interesting thing I really had other than what we talked about earlier and fix, we're not fixing, but hopefully fixing my squat. Was a pretty big bench press, uh, three eighty five for five reps. That was gnarly. It was quick too. Are I you was, undulating
1: everything? Is that the reason why you didn't have no. another big if uh,
0: big big lift this week? I was supposed to have a big squat this week, but I physically couldn't handle it. Like my knees and my lower back couldn't handle it. And is I deadlift the only thing you undulate. I always undulate my deadlift. So what I really like to mm. ideally do is one heavy set per block. So one heavy deadlift set and one heavy bench set, and one heavy squat set. I, I haven't been able to do a heavy squat set just because my knees and my back have not cooperated, so I've tried to like figure it out, tried to do everything I could. just hasn't worked out. Hopefully, moving forward, after all is said and done, maybe a couple blocks down, I'll be able to get back to it. Um, but that's that's really like week one is like baseline week, just getting my body prepped after deload. Week two is heavy deadlifts. Week three is heavy squat and bench. Week four is deload. And that's kind of how I like to separate things. And so far, it has been tremendously good for me.
1: Good. Oh. Um, me and you did something we discussed before I started it, but me and all my hip pain and all the bullshit I've dealt with, um, one thing me and you've done for a long time, me and Ron did it, we avoid, we've avoid. we avoided a lot of like high volume on squats mm-hmm. uh, to basically just save my legs for my one or two big squats a month, basically. Yep. Uh, I've made good progress that way, but I think uh, me and you kind of determined that the ultimate way to get my squat back is to readapt to volume. Mm-hmm. Um, so I reset and started doing hatch squat, which leaves me doing about 40 reps a session yeah. on squat, uh, which is pretty high volume for me. I think me and you were between 18 and 20. Me and Ron may have been higher, probably 20 to 24.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think the most I have with Ron was like three sets of eight. Yeah. Um, so getting back to higher volume squats at a ridiculously light load. They've been easy. I've been able to go all beltless. Um, deadlifts have been heavy, only heavy ish only because I've been going double overhanded and beltless. Um, and then bench I've chose to do Larson presses because I just thought it was, I needed something to benefit my bench. And I thought it was cheesy for me to go out and bench a hundred pounds more than I was squatting a right. whole block. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? So, so I chose Larson presses just to keep them, uh, that way. But I mean I didn't have anything too interesting. I mean, uh some pretty decent Larson presses, um, some fast as fuck deadlifts, and then we talked about in the show the show before the show, just some little breakthroughs on squatting deadlifts, you know what I mean? So um,
0: at the very least things are looking up. A
1: boring week, but things are looking up.
0: Yeah. Uh one interesting thing I'll talk about training real quick, and I shared um Denise Herber's post she was talk, and it, it kind of just reaffirmed me in the way I, I like to program and train was train smarter, not harder. And she she had this pretty long post talking about, you know, what she does, and how she's like, well, I might have a heavy squat at some point this week or in the following week. But I will always have time for low intensity, but like. Some sort of variation or something, she was doing like an incredibly slow tempo squat, it was probably like at least six seconds, if not slower than that, coming down. And then I can't remember how fast she came up. But it kind of just made me think about it in in a different way, reaffirming that I'm on the right track of I don't need to train intense all the time. I don't need all this constant, like, stimulus. I I need progress. And then I need a certain amount of stimulus to make progress. And then I need an overloaded stimulus to affirm that I'm going in the right direction. Sure. That's and that's the way I've I've handled my training for months now. Um, well, since just leaving
1: Joe and probably with Joe,
0: with Joe definitely. Well, with Joe, there's there was a little bit of difference in saying it, it, it followed a similar protocol, but it was more of how much can you, how much is the most that you can handle this week without falling backwards, yeah. right? So he doesn't like a deload, whereas I like to go, I'm going to kill myself on one thing. I'm going to break down as hard as I can, and then I'm going to recover from it. And then I'm going to take plenty of time in between to practice and recover and get better, and then I'm going to go at it again. Sure. Um, similar to Brandon Allen, but, you know, how he likes to do his AMRAPs. Wraps, yep. But instead of doing AMRAPs, I'm like, I have a set weight or maybe maybe a range, depending on how I feel, and a set number of reps and I just go and do it. And that's the hard set of the block. And sure. then it's like, if I accomplish it well, then I'm like, all right, I need to intensify. If I just barely accomplish it, I'm on the right track.
1: One thing that, me and you've talked about a lot before, but is your ability to remain consistent and your biggest contributor to remaining consistent is not getting hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, the better we get, the heavier the load is, the lo- higher the likelihood of us getting hurt. Right. Um, sometimes just being, being there and doing something's enough.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's not to say that, well, like you just alluded to, that's not to say that there's not a plan. There's always a plan, mm-hmm. but I don't have to get under a 400 pound bench press every time I'm in the gym. Exactly. Like, honestly, you can do really good work. If you're even a 400 pound bench presser, you can do really good work at 225. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to fucking, you
0: don't have to kill yourself every you time don't, you show up. Absolutely
1: not. Uh, my mine, mine kind of pyramids up, but it pyramids up in a way that I still have a, always have a little bit left in the tank. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, but like with- hypertrophic value vo- uh, you know, value. As long as you're leaving with a pump, you're building muscle and you're getting better. Yeah. So like at the beginning of my block is currently very linear, but at the beginning of this block, it doesn't matter that it was easy. Did I leave with a pump? Did I achieve what I need to achieve? Am I going to be recovered by my secondary press day?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like. If all the answers are yes, I did what I needed to do. It doesn't have to be, you know. Can I Larson press three fifty for a set of five? Probably,
0: but that's not what I'm doing right now. (laughs) You 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 don't have to to get better. I don't don't have have to 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 make progress. I mean, that's I think that's what a lot of people struggle to understand, especially new people, is they think they have to constantly linearly linearly go up, right? So there there's their graph, and they're like, if they don't keep going up, then they're losing progress. That's just not true because you can, like, I never touched over 600. Well, I tried to, but I didn't successfully touch over 600 pounds in my prep for my meat. Yeah. Ever. On deadlift. You on about, deadlift. Yep. Yeah. I never, I never touched it. I didn't touch it on squat and bench press either. <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> but, um, but, but going into the meat, I felt this was the first time I it had ever come up like that. And I felt very unconfident. I felt very weak. I felt like I wasn't going to get anything done. I showed up. And I pulled six sixty one, which is the best I've ever done. So it it stands to reason that you know, just going into your in general training, you you just don't have to push yourself as hard as you think you have to to make progress. That doesn't mean don't work hard. Exactly, it doesn't mean don't work hard, but you don't have to leave the gym broken every day. Yeah, you know, or every week, or uh, once a week even. Something I'm doing, I said I'm on a
1: very I'm on a very linear program. It's Mm -hmm. like point A, point B. There's not there's no waving. Other than a deload week halfway through, there is no waving in this program. Mm-hmm. It is point A to point B, right? Mm-hmm. Like, well, what do you do in that scenario? And a lot of people won't won't reduce their pride and their ego enough to do this. It's like I said, well, I'm resetting my squat. Yeah, I have a 500 plus pound squat. That doesn't fucking matter right now. I have a problem with volume. Let's set this at a weight that I know I can hit all the volume. I set my one at max at 315 on squat. Right. It's ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. That's me and you had blocks of eight plus reps recently at that weight and heavier. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not a heavy squat, but that does not necessarily achieve what I need to achieve right now, yep. which is building work capacity,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: On bench press, I knew I had the work capacity. Well, how do you grow a bench press without fucking killing yourself on a linear program? Change it to Larson, reduce my one rep max by 40 pounds.
0: Close grip, you can really you do close a ton grip. of variation. You can do
1: it. There's a ton of variations you can do. Um, you can do just straight feet up if you don't want to do a Larson press. You can do um,
0: incline press. You can do
1: incline. Fuck, it doesn't matter. There's like a million ways to look at this, and all those things. You probably don't incline what you flat bench. Oh, I don't instantly, think you know. I can tell you right now. I think I have a 315 pound incline, but I'm a 400 plus pound presser. Don't have a three plate incline. I guarantee you, if I ran the same program on a 300 pound one rep max incline, I would have a better flat bench by the end of it, yeah, and absolutely. I wouldn't have to fucking kill myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, deadlifts the same way. I am my my deadlift is a kind of an assumed one rep max based on what I've done and like RPE is stuff that I've not necessarily hit before, but my one rep max deadlifts over 600 pounds. I set my deadlift at 515 for two reasons. One, so I could train beltless as long as I could. Mm-hmm. I'll probably b- train b- beltless until six or seven weeks in this program. And two, so I could train double overhanded. But also to accommodate the fact that I have a two-time-a-week deadlift frequency right now. I haven't done 2 times a week deadlifts since I was with Brandon. So two or three years. Two times mm-hmm. deadl- a week on deadlifts is fucking hard. It is. It's extremely hard. I expect to make progress on deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Like I expect my deadlift to grow from this, despite my one rep max being a hundred pounds less than it probably actually is. Right. Um, but there's a lot of ways to like accommodate and, and do the same. Even if you're going to use, I'm using a box generic super linear program right now. And you can still make progress on that. If you're willing to check your ego, change to a variation, change your one rep max, whatever it may be. Like I have, it's on into the program, but I have doubles at like 365 on Larson Press. Mm-hmm. If I double 365 on Larson Press, I know, I know I'm pressing over 400 pounds with my right. feet down. Like, yeah. But it doesn't take the same toll on me physically, and it doesn't take the same toll on my CNS. Mm-hmm. Like, There's so many ways you can do this. Um, I me and you talked about undulating deadlifts. Um, strongmen are a really good example of this. Um, I can't remember... Karu the deadlifter, is that his name?
0: Yeah, I think Super so.
1: fucking cool dude. Very open to talk to people in his comments. Like, he's very, very easy to get a hold of. One of the best deadlifters on the planet has a heavy deadlift one time a month. Yep. He is one of the best deadlifters on the planet. That doesn't mean he just deadlifts one time a month. That just means he only deadlifts heavy one time a month. Everything else may be sub maximal. There's so much to be said for checking your ego, staying healthy and just practicing your sport
2: mm-hmm.
1: like if you're leaving with a pump we know we're getting muscle growth when it's time to fucking get into a strength block or getting to a getting into a peak and dial that in then it's time to do that but there's so many things you can do um to save yourself fatigue and save yourself injuries yep I mean, let alone, we're not even talking about sleep and nutrition and right hydration and stuff like that. Strictly training like protocol. Just strictly training protocol. You can change that in a million different ways. Mm-hmm. One thing me and you did with my squats this last block, before I took my programming back over, we we were doing box squats. We knew that I couldn't handle uh, devastating volume on a regular squat. Mm-hmm. We also knew that my pain was replicated at a certain point, and that we could do that. Fucking box squat if you can't do a real, real yep. squat. like. Or if they take too much out of you or whatever it may be, or if you're injury prone, if you're just fatigue prone, whatever, like fucking change it. Yep. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, good benefits powerlifters can get from an SSB or a front squat. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Like if you can't take the fact, you know, if you 500 plus pounds, regardless of what anybody says is a heavy back squat Mm -hmm. outside of fucking football players and other powerlifters, there's not a whole lot of people on the planet doing that. If you can't fucking stand programming at a five hundred plus pound winner at max all the time, fucking find a different way to squat. Yeah. Just do a different squat. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like, no harm, no foul. You can still progress your squat without touching ninety percent of five hundred all the time. Right. Like, I don't know.
0: Joe always liked to do uh, leg press and hack squat as his or pendulum squat, which he has access to as his secondary squat. Like he didn't. Sure. He didn't necessarily. He would do a back squat and then some variation he always gave me leg press sure like I, I had my squat days and i had my leg press days and squat was with bench leg press was with uh, i think shoulder press on a machine sure so they were they were like also basically undulated in the week right so sure. i have my i've talked about this before bodybuilding days powerlifter yeah. days different mentalities different things one thing i was going to say just because I found it interesting. Uh, I don't know if you know the podcast Anabolic Activities, um, but that to... is um, Mark Bell and Kenny Williams. Uh, they they do a podcast. It's technically Kenny's podcast, but Mark Bell's on there a lot. They were talking about bodybuilding, and they had a really interesting point that I had never really thought about when it comes to bodybuilding. And I know this is, this is different, but we do have a lot of dual athletes, stuff like that. But in the sense of bodybuilding, what their intention, what, what they explained it was, they find the pump and they stay in the pump and then they leave. That's their whole goal. It's not like, well, I've got this program, this program, this program. It's like, well, tricep extensions are feeling really good. I'm getting a huge pump. So I'm going to keep doing tricep extensions and I'm just going to keep doing them. And then it's like, okay, I'm done with triceps. And then whatever their other work is, now if they're doing tricep extensions, like, I'm just not feeling it. Move on to something else. Something else yeah. that's going to give them the pump. When they get the pump, they stay in the pump. Sure. It's really interesting to me how different that is in the way that a lot of powerlifting programming is that it's more like we have our numbers, we have our sets, reps, we do this, we have our accessories, we do this, we go home. Right. And it's more like a, we just want to make sure everything is trained and developed, whereas bodybuilding is is so different in the fact that they're like we're just trying to stay inside of this pump for as long as we can until we leave sure or until we're done with whatever um yeah and that's how growth
1: with.
2: happens
0: yeah but like that, that speaks to the genius of louis
1: simmons and i've actually gone back i told you one of the reasons i took over my program and another reason we're not going to talk on air one reason i took back my program nathan did nothing wrong nathan's program is extraordinary to be honest he's really fucking good at it But one of the things I took over for was to reduce my time in the gym. I needed Mm -hmm. leg days to be an hour and a half or less, and I need upper body days to be an hour and 15 or less, Mm -hmm. basically. I need to be in the the gym and out of the gym quick. Well, a conjugate principle, everybody knows the 80-20 rule, 80% accessory work, 20% barbell. There was times when I was doing conjugate where we would have six to eight sets of an accessory movement. Mm -hmm. But that might be the only tricep movement you do that day. Right? You might do... Pec deck until your fucking titties fall off mm-hmm. it might be six to eight sets it might be extreme but that'd be the only thing you did that day one thing i have found to be really beneficial and to the stay inside the pump thing is if i'm training legs if i'm on there's certain things i have to do for prehab and rehab right now like i have to do a lunge and i have to do some type of pistol squat but outside of that i have a leg extension day and a leg press day mm-hmm. those are the only two things i'm fucking doing for my quads Nathan will tell you, I have big fucking legs. Um, we're not like Austin's big, but like I have big quads. That's the only thing I'm doing right now. And I'm just like, first of all, it reduces setup time. It reduces the time of I'm in the gym, but it does exactly what you're saying. And I'm staying in a pump.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I'm getting more growth with one exercise than I was with two, three, and four exercises because I'm just fucking staying there. I'm fucking chasing a pump. Uh, if I... My my protocol on any type of herp, hypertrophy block is I want to stay between 8 and 20 reps. If I dip below 8 reps, the weight goes down. If I can consistently do 20, weight goes up. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty fucking simple. But I've changed my program into where I'm only hitting one exercise outside of my barbell movement, not counting my barbell. But outside of my barbell movements, I'm only hitting one exercise per muscle group, and it's been the best pump of my life. Yeah
0: like and that honestly that's been one thing i've been thinking about myself is just like moving more towards instead of doing like two maybe maybe still two one one two two accessory movements per muscle group and just kind of like focusing on that for that day making like and if it if it's not working out like like kenny and barker saying it's not working out and i'm not getting a pump out of it i'm moving to something else sure and i'm going to find that pump and i'm going to stay there and then I'm going to move on with my accessories. For me and my shoulders, like, we get plenty of front delt from the pressing that we do. Mm-hmm.
1: I like to keep an overhead press in. I'm not this next 13 weeks because it there's no space for it. Right. Um, but for me, on shoulders, it's some type of lateral raise. Always been good for my shoulders. I feel strong. It helps my bench press out. Honestly, it keeps my shoulders feeling healthy. It keeps me from hurting a lot. Fuck, I get a pump every time I do lateral raises. I'm doing fucking lateral raises with fucking 50s now. But, like right <laughs> fuck it it works you, know, you yeah. know what i mean it doesn't matter if i was doing them with the hundreds like it fucking works like mm-hmm. just fucking stay in it i mean honestly with the high volume i am right now i have very little chest because mm-hmm. like by the time i get done pressing five or six sets i don't really feel like doing pec deck or anything right it bu- benefits me more as a power lifter to go fucking hit some lat pull downs or hit some uh hit some dumbbell laterals or uh something like that or hit more arms mm-hmm. than it does to stay in my fucking chest all the time. Like yep. I don't fucking have to beat it up. Like right now my press days are oriented. I do have one major chest movement on day one. I have some type of fly, whether it be on cables, deck deck, or dumbbells, it doesn't matter. I do some type of fly. Um, I have back de- I have back exercises on, on both days, but on the secondary day I do a lat pull down instead of another chest. Mm-hmm. Like I can leave with a lap pump, leave with a chest pump. That's all I fucking need. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it can be so remarkably simple. And I think I've even been seduced by client programming with this to some extent. There's like this hectic, like grasp that we have to get better at all these things that we feel like we have to have an exercise for every fucking issue. Yeah. And you really fucking don't have to right. have an exercise for every issue. Like sometimes just practice and. Mm-hmm. Us as powerlifters, you know, the most amount of our practice and hard work needs to go on a barbell, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Um, but like when it to- comes to supporting exercises, like <clears throat> what is going to make me better at this lift? Like for me, I don't have a whole lot of that inside head of our tricep. I don't have a whole lot of that. Me and you put in reverse pull uh, uh, pushdowns. I do those all the time now. Uh, I know a skull crusher helps me. I know a dip helps me. Like... I have three go-to tricep movements, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like biceps, I know for my elbow health, I need a, I need a hammer curl. And then I need something. I have to do a fun bicep because I have to have something that's going to stimulate some growth. I'm going to do cable curls or machine curls to for, for the growth, mm-hmm. like something I find to be fun. Um, like, I don't know. Uh, it, this can be so fucking simple if you let it be. And I think the better we get, the simpler it becomes.
2: You know, you know, know, it's really
0: funny and interesting when you say that. I recall when we were talking to Joe Sullivan, um, unfortunately, that episode didn't air. But when we were talking to Joe Sullivan, he was like, programming can be incredibly simple. It's just a matter of managing the fatigue.
1: Sure. Yeah, that's that's all it is.
0: Literally like that. He was just like managing the fatigue of the person is the only difficult part. Everything that goes into it isn't complicated. It's like you do you do your movements, you do your accessories, you you grow. That's
1: that's how we've gotten Austin so dialed in. That's the way Austin's been able to grow, is he finally let go of doing things his way, and I finally let go of doing things my way. And we have met in the middle with good and honest communication mm-hmm. about things. There's certain things I know he needs, and there's certain things he knows that he
2: needs. Mm-hmm.
1: We meet that in the middle, and we do just enough to get Austin to the next squat day, to the next press day or whatever, and he's had extreme growth. Uh, for somebody it's hard to get somebody with as much experience as Austin to make as much progress he has in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And the only thing it took was communication and simplifying what we were doing.
0: Yeah.
1: You don't have to have you don't have to do every exercise in the gym just because it's an upper body day.
0: Right. You don't. I'm like well, it's really funny i was, and I hate hate qu- continuing to quote somebody but but Joe was on a podcast recently talking, and he was like, It doesn't matter the studies it doesn't matter how anabolic something could be, it doesn't matter how great this movement is if the the client the person does not want to do them. they will not make progress on it if they don't want to do them sure, so you ha- you like you said you have to meet in the middle somewhere, you have to be like, well. There, what can you What can you exchange it for? What can you make uh, a change that's going to accomplish the same thing that you're trying to accomplish? Right. That doesn't mean that as a client you
1: shouldn't be somewhat malleable, but it right. also doesn't mean that as a coach you shouldn't be somewhat ma- malleable. Exactly. Like you should be able to bend to things, right? Like, if I know, like, my issue is in stability in my hips, like I know for a fact I have to have. A unilateral leg movement of one time. Do I like doing them? No, but as a client, I'm mature enough to accept the fact that mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do some shit that I don't like to achieve that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, there, fortunately, there are things that I dislike less than, I, than others. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily have to do a split squat when I can do a single leg press, a pistol, or a lunge. Right. Um, I don't necessarily have to do a fucking single leg RDL when I can do single leg ham curls. I don't necessarily have to. There's a lot of examples you can go on and on and on and on about. Um, but like, I think you, as a client, you do have to have a willingness to do some shit you don't want to do mm-hmm. and gr- to grow, to be honest. But at the same time, as a coach, you need to recognize like if something's just completely and utterly demoralizing to a person, it's, it's not, not fruitful working. for anybody. Yeah. They're honestly there. There's probably gonna. There's probably gonna be some resentment grow about it. Like <laughs> the more the more you hate it, the more I dig my heels in about it. Like there's just gonna be a point where it's not fruitful for the coach or the client, mm-hmm. and it's like
0: nobody nobody's making progress you know. with that.
1: That being said, out of my newbies. They're probably gonna do more of what I told them to. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look,
0: like, new people, they don't really know what they need, right? They right. don't really they don't really have that understanding yet. So they're kind of just like they're there and maybe they're like, ah oh, man, squats really hurt my legs and my knees. And it's like, well, they're gonna at first.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Like it's
0: just gonna happen. Now when you start squatting four or five hundred pounds, like, man, my knees hurt. It's like, okay, well, there's something probably wrong because yeah. you should have an adaptation unless yeah. you're just not at that level yet maybe you maybe it's for one rep max that made your knees hurt sure right but like if you're going to
1: hurt after a one rep max
0: but just like going in there consistently and something is still hurting at a certain experience level certain level of growth muscle maturity
1: yeah and i think uh, uh, you know the more the better we get as powerlifters the more in tune we are with our own bodies and the more we should be able to say things to our coach and be like Mm -hmm. hey this is just not working either either it's not working or it's just beating the fuck out of me Mm -hmm. for no good reason. I'm not growing. It fucking hurts. There's not a lot of progress being made. Like, maybe it's time to change. Another or, problem.
0: or you know, with, with people who have been in it for a while, I just hate it. Like, I just hate it, and I don't like doing it. And every time you program it, I put in the least amount of effort on it. Well, like, that's, when you get that's that, that
1: problem. Well, it's like with me, with like like I just said, but like I fucking hate a Bulgarian split squad. A lot of people do. Well, me and you can get the same stimulus out of fucking the pistol squats I've been mm-hmm. working on. Like, my issue and the reason I need to do something like a Bulgarian is with hip stability, all right? Like, you can say what you want to about quad growth, about glute growth, glute growth and stuff like that, but, like, the reason I do them is hip stability. I don't mind doing the pistol. Mm-hmm. Just fucking change.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> as simple as that. Like, Just if do this something- can be productive, if we can fix something, and you hate it less because you're going to put more effort into it, then I personally like athletic movements like that. It makes me feel some kind of way. Like, Mm -hmm. I will work diligently on a pistol where I don't give a fuck if I can split squat a thousand pounds or not. I don't fucking care. (laughs) You know, it fucking sucks. You know know what I mean? Like, that's an easy example because everybody fucking hates them, right? But, like, uh, there's just so many things that could be... Especially now, the day and age that we're in the gym now, we have limitless amounts of exercises and equipment. Mm -hmm. Like... Let's move on. You know, let's let's do something that's fruitful for everybody, and let's move on together. And like you said, if you can approach something with a, if something achieves the same uh, stimulus and and we can get better results because you try harder just because you like it more, fucking
0: just do that one instead. I don't fucking
1: like a dumbbell curl.
0: Yep, it's
1: I hate fucking training biceps. Like it's fucking gayest fucking thing in the gym. (laughs) Like I hate training them, but I like hammers and I like a machine curl. I like a cable curl. Don't really care for fucking barbell curls. Don't care for fucking dumbbell curls, shit like that. But like those two things I, I fucking like. Like, sure. well, okay. Well, like, as power lifters, like I'm not a bodybuilder. Like as power lifters, we need enough fucking bicep to have good breaks on a bench press and to fucking provide some elbow stability. Mm-hmm. Like if I can get that out of the cable curl and out of a machine curl, it's fine. Like no fucking problem. Like it is what it is. There's things I know that you fucking hate. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever I don't remember the last time I made you front squat
0: <laughs> you oh, know, man, you know I, mean? I haven't like, front squat um, so long I hate front squat I
1: will say mentally one me and Mason Lindsay talk about this all the time there is something to doing things that other people are unwilling to do that I do think mentally gives you an edge over people that is fair like there's a million thing Mason Lindsay's real fucking good at a front squat front squats nearly as much as he back squats But there is something to that he will tell you. He likes doing front squats just because he knows there's not a motherfucker in the gym fucking front squatting 400
0: pounds. (laughs) That's fair.
1: It is what it is. Like, he likes, you know, being able to do the hard things fucking separates us sometimes. Like, I I program a, uh, a barbell overhead press. That's another thing Mason will tell you, Austin will tell you. If you walk in my gym right now, there's a million fucking kids doing half reps on fucking dumbbell overhead press but nobody's fucking going chest to lockout and a fucking barbell overhead press. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite bench grower. It has been for a long time. If nothing else it changes your mentality and changes how you think and feel about a heavy bench press. Yeah. Cuz anything that's fucking heavy on a bench press is much fucking heavier on overhead press. Yeah. Like doing there's something to be said about doing the hard things. Joey Miller we just did zurchers. Did heavy zercher squats. Um, I think he, he went up to like 405 or 425. I don't remember what, mm-hmm. but it was over 400 pounds. He was able to zerture. I didn't do those. We didn't program those as his secondary squat necessarily to make him better at back squats. We programmed those to make him think that he's better than everybody else. in that <laughs> I'm being honest. Yeah. Like mentally, he has a leg up on everybody else he works out with. Yeah. Because he's willing to do the hard things. There's some give and take on that. Um, but I do think that there's something to be said for just doing the fucking hard things.
0: That's uh, that's like <clears throat> a sports psychology thing, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you you think about if you're willing to do the hard things, the easy things are... Yeah, I mean, listen, like the next time,
1: Joey, since Joey is you know, successfully Zurcher squatted over 400 pounds, the next time he's under 400 pounds in a back squat...
0: At least it's not in my
1: elbows. At least it's not in my elbows, man. <laughs> like... <laughs> You may not get some help from some glutes and some back. Like, fuck yeah. Thank God. that's right. not a zercher squat. But well, there's some power in that. Mm-hmm. Um, me and you had some back and, not necessarily back and forth, because we agreed. We were talking about um, uh, Dr. Mike talking about a front squat not being that great for hypertrophy. Mm-hmm. Because you're thinking more about the stress of the front squat than mm-hmm. you are about activating your quads. Right. That's absolutely true. I think there's a lot of things a lot better for hypertrophy. Pendulum squat, belt squat. Honestly, just a high bar back squat if you're willing to do it for more reps and a heavier weight, a lot better. But there is something mental mm-hmm. about being able to front squat heavy. Yeah. With me recently, with on your programming with close grip bench, I just knew we went a long time without a competition bench press. But I just knew that if I could close grip three sixty five, three eighty five for reps, uh, a competition bench over four hundred pounds wasn't going to be a problem. Yep. There's just something to doing things. The hard way that just gives you a fucking mental hard on that you can just fucking ram into the (laughs) asshole of anything else you got fucking coming. Like, I mean, there's, there's some power to it. Yep. You do have to have a client willing and open to do those things. And if it's not fruitful for that client, then it's not fruitful for that client. Mm -hmm. So this is all like case by case basis. Like Mm -hmm. it always is.
0: That is true. You know, you know, what's really funny What's that? We said we were going to talk about something entirely different. We spent well, the whole I, episode talking I about I actually training.
1: think that uh, <laughs> we're not doing too bad. Um, I don't know how long has this ran? Hour twenty. Hour and twenty. Fuck. All this. I actually, I think that your your pump chasing comment, like, actually, kind of lends itself a little bit to this because you got into bodybuilding and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I recently saw a post. Joe's the first person to ever point this out, not to me personally, but just a post that Joe made
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that was very, very, made me very, very aware of this and clients and not so much myself, but that was getting to a weight that maximizes your height and then cutting and bulking back to that weight until you're basically muscular and lean at that weight.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You see it with John Hack. There's a reason why John Hack's the best 198 on the planet. If you see one, John Hack with a shirt off, the dude's built like a Greek God. Mm-hmm. Probably better, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, he's fucking yoked. Think about Joe walks around with more lean mass in total, not muscle mass, but more lean mass in total than he competes at. Yep. He has maximized his frame. Um, I don't remember the name of this coach that I started following recently that made that post, but he basically said, as a powerlifter, you should have abs.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So It's okay if you don't at first, but you should be willing to bulk and cut and bulk and cut within your weight class enough that you have maximized the muscle and that's what you're doing now yep. but you have maximized the muscle within that weight class yep i think you know that was the original topic getting to it now i think that's 100 true and i think that it's still so overlooked and i'm about to dump on somebody real hard <laughs> but coming out of an era not early uh, late 90s early 2000s was a multiply era in powerlifting and it was strictly mass moves mass and that was the fucking bottom line i'm here to tell you me and nathan have said this before on this podcast mass does move mass that's fucking physics but muscle mass moves more mass than fat mass does yep. all day long so if you can mu- maximize your frame there's something to
2: that mm-hmm.
1: nathan has a lot to say on this i know so i'm gonna let him take it from here but that was a post that inspired me in this episode this week so
0: well being an hour and twenty in, do you think we should go down this this whole thing, or do you think we should uh, save it for next week?
1: I can talk take it. it. I mean, we don't have to go too long. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll have a like a hybrid episode training That's diet training. Okay. So you said I have a lot to say about it, but really, like I, ha- I had a couple of key points that I wanted to talk about. It's mostly in my own experience, but. Um, where i'm at right now compared to where i was right so i've i think i've competed at around 230 pounds which is the middle of my weight class several times now i want to say like two to three times um that's not necessarily always because i wanted to be there it's just Um, where you landed it's just where i landed i wanted to be as just whatever the lightest i could be this past one were you 198 your first competition 220 i was 212 technically 212 on the first competition so
1: really every competition you've done you've been underweight
0: yeah every single yeah. one i've never actually maximized my weight class um i've never been at the top of it but this past one was strictly dots reasoning which in one way i wanted to just win that's why i wanted the best dots but in another way it qualified me for nationals and I was gonna win whether I was 242 or 230 anyway, but I got the dots qualified for nationals. So it's like this weird like trade-off thing. It wasn't really a trade-off, it was more of a win-win, but like that was the initial goal, and now I qualified for nationals, not even realizing it. And I was like, well, I'm gonna go to nationals. Now I'm going to nationals. Anyway, um, back to the weight stuff. Um, my big thing is that I've I've just never landed at a lean, really, like I've ne- I've never felt like I was. As a power lifter, I've never felt like I was a lean whatever weight class I was supposed to be, which is pretty much two forty two up, in, uh, except for my first meet. My first meet was two twelve at the two twenty class, and it's been like two thirties constantly, constantly in two thirties, trying to grow, not working. Like I was getting stronger and stronger and stronger. I was not gaining. I was gaining the frame, but my body composition, I never felt like it was maximized. Like, and so I'm really focusing in now. Um, I'm starting my cut. Actually, I kind of started it yesterday to an extent. I'm, I'm more like watching my calories this weekend. Um, and then tomorrow is going to be the real start of the, qu- the cut. Um, but I weighed in at 262 on Friday night. Um, today, I'm like 255. Right. I don't know how that worked out. I, I I was like, maybe it's water, but I've been drinking a ton of water. Yeah, I mean, um, water weight does fluctuate up to like 2% right. body
1: weight. So, so
0: it very well could be water, but I've been drinking a lot of water. I've been peeing a lot too. Like well, that's, there's give
1: and take in that. Yeah.
0: So um, anyway, my goal is to get to around 230 again, but as lean as I possibly can. Um, and with that, I'm cutting... Basically, my carbs in half, and that's basically the only thing that I'm changing. My protein staying about 250, um, fats staying around 89. Well, you're gonna be an
1: asshole by the time
0: we, by <laughs> the time we record the next what's, episode. What's interesting, right? <laughs> and, I, and 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 I'm gonna give a full full experience. We'll find out. You know, I'm hoping that it's not that bad. I've been feeling okay so far, but last night it was really interesting because I was, you know, I, I'm just. I'm not really cutting, but I'm like watching my calories this weekend just no. to try and get a, a leg up. Last night, I had that experience that I, o- the only other time I've had was with Joe when I was taking insulin and that I felt like I was shaky and like I wasn't, I was a little dizzy and I was like, what's going on? And I was like, this is this like a carb thing? Is this going to be, I don't know. We're going to find out in the well. future if it's going to be, I'm not, I can't, I can't cut as hard as I want to. I may have to have more carbs because if I'm going to pass out on the floor, like I can't, I can't do that at work. You still got to be able to get through your workout. I can't get yeah. Work. And work. Yeah. yeah. Like I can't fall. Like I drive a powered industrial truck. Like yeah. I can't, I can't pass out on that. Yeah, yeah. Like if I pass out on that, I might be dead. Right. I might kill people along the way. Um. So it's just really interesting that, that, that happened. And now I'm having these like thoughts, like not necessarily doubt, but concern, I guess, like what's going to happen How's my mood gonna be? There's all these different things coming there's up. There's
1: always the option to add more cardio.
0: Right, I could I could increase my food and add more cardio. That's one thing I was going to talk about too, because a lot of people when they look at a like a cut or a weight loss protocol or whatever, it's always food, 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 reduce the food, reduce the food, and it's like that is an option, but you need to have more options than that. Just reducing food isn't necessarily going to be your the problem the problem solver, right? Because sure. if you reduce your food too much, you reduce your pr- protein, protein intake too much, you reduce your carb intake too much, your recovery suffers, your glycogen uh, depletes, you just don't have what it takes to get in the gym and train hard, which reduces your amount of calories you're burning in a day. There's always other options. Like you said, upping the cardio. You know, I usually do 10 minutes on the treadmill or whatever I have access 15 to. 15 could do wonders. Start you know. doing 15. Start doing 20. Like do 10 in the beginning and 10 at the end. Like yeah. you there are so many things that you can add. Maybe just adding a walk in your day. Like yeah. just go like you wake up in the morning. Instead of sitting down and drinking your coffee, go for a walk and drink your coffee. I'll tell you something underrated about cardio is
1: something. We've talked, we've we've touched on, but we've never re- spoke on it. like I'm about to say it, but motion is lotion. Like yeah. if you're stiff, a walk can do a lot for you. Like today, I had a lot of fucking programming to do. I sat on my ass the first half of the day. Um, to break up my day, I went to Planet and got it on the elliptical and did my. I'm doing Couch to Five K on the elliptical because it's less wear and tear on my hips and knees. Mm-hmm. Smart as a powerlifter, that's all I got to right. say. Um, but uh, after that, I felt like a fucking new man. Mm-hmm. Again, a lot less stiff, a lot less fucking draggy, a lot less, I mean, there's some things that go into it other than that, but like, to your point about calories, and I learned this by training my, my transformation competitors, mm-hmm. it's something as a personal trainer, you kind of inherently should know anyway, but like, it's always kind of on the back of your back of your mind, but it stays in the forefront of mine now, since I've done that a couple of times, but we cut on the f- most amount of calories possible and we bulk on the fewest amount of calories possible. Mm-hmm. If you want to reduce how much muscle mass you lose in a cut, if your maintenance is 3,200, you probably, at least in the, on the front end, you probably don't need to drop below 30, you know, 3,000 to 31.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Cut on as few as possible. If 30, you know, that leaves you leave you know, probably losing a pound every 30 days or so, but that's still re- retaining the most amount of muscle mass possible. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you bulk the same way. If you want to gain as little fat as possible, you need to bulk on as few calories as possible, right? Like, but there's an inherent like give or take. Like there's a lot more ways to achieve a deficit than just calorie reduction. Mm-hmm. It might just be for me, I have four days of lifting and three days of cardio currently. It could just be that you do that. Mm-hmm. Like maybe diet doesn't even have to change that much. Um always needs to be clean, ideally personal trainer preference like you know you need as little fat as you can to remain healthy and uh you know as much carbs and protein as you can to keep from getting in Mm -hmm. and not get fat basically but you can achieve a deficit by simply doing more work yeah the diet is handy because it's less time consuming Mm -hmm. you spend less time eating you spend less time on the treadmill but like just from purely muscle retention standpoint just cutting uh, you're cutting your carbs in half i don't think that's gonna be a problem for you because you're keeping your protein so high but like for most of us though if you're willing to drop your carbs by say a fucking quarter
2: mm-hmm.
1: you're willing to drop your fat by 10 grams just dropping your fat 10 grams is a 90 as a 90 calorie difference in your day
2: mm-hmm.
1: um that adds up like it could just mean I mean like i said Ten, You know, 15 minutes instead of 10 minutes on your, on, on your cardio warmup. It could mean doing what I'm doing and exchanging every other day as a cardio day and your lift day, you know, back and forth like that, whatever it may be. There's a lot of ways to do that um, to achieve a deficit without having to just, like, starve yourself. Right. And as competitors, powerlifting competitors, first and foremost, we need to think about muscle retention. And most of the time, that's going to come from cutting on as few calories or as, as many calories as we can. Yeah. And uh, that's a hard thing, but uh, you do need, you know, to really get a be- the best best case scenario in terms of achieving that and determining that is you probably do need regular body scans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, if you don't have a body scan, it's not ideal, but your Apple watch yep. or an app may help.
0: Um, it'll at least give you an idea.
1: It'll give you a general idea of what you need. Um, but I can tell you my cutting calories are like fucking like 3,600 or right. something. Like I feel pretty good at 3,000 calories. Like you could you could potentially you know cut that much, but like at the same time you got you got to be able to perform and you got to be able to retain muscle and that's Mm -hmm. like the most important. Time is an issue as a competitor, so like you know I mentioned if a hundred calorie drop per day is you know it's roughly a pound every thirty to thirty five days, like that's probably not going to be enough, or it's not going to be fast enough to get you to where you need Mm -hmm. to be, but it might be fast enough to get you where to be if you do. 100 calories extra on the fucking elliptical. Mm -hmm. You know, now all of a sudden, like, yeah, you're you're eating 100 calories under your maintenance, but you're also doing 100 calories more worth of work, so now you're in a 200-calorie deficit. Like, it can't just be that simple. So, like, this all sounds really complicated, but it's really not. Like, more work or less food or a combination of the two, and likely the best-case scenario is a combination of the two.
0: Right. And then, like, when people stall, they always... (laughs) Like typically, most people want to go to less food, right? Like that's every every weight loss person, transformation yeah. person you've had. Probably your maintenance calorie changes you right.
1: up though,
0: right? But but typically, like they're gonna they're, that's going to be their first go to right is less food and less food and less food. There's, there's only so much you can get to in a less food mentality, to where you're you get to one where you are starving yourself and right. you can't function like maybe even mentally your your brain function just still sure. slows down because you're just not eating enough. So you do have to be like, well, the only thing I can do is work more. Yeah, Like eat the same and work more. Well, maybe you're getting too tired from that. Well, maybe you just have incredible diet fatigue. If you've been dieting for 12 weeks, it's probably time to like uh, go go through a maintenance phase, go through a refeed, anywhere between two to 12 weeks, depending on how bad it is. Yeah. It might be as quick as two weeks. It might be like, you know, two weeks, you gain maybe a couple pounds but you feel really good and it's like I feel like I can go back to dieting. Sure. I don't feel like it's stressing me out so bad. Cortisol levels are raising. Like I don't feel like dog shit. I feel like I can go do this again. Sure. And then you take another 8 to 12 weeks. Uh that, then you're maybe you're starting to lose weight. You lose those 2 pounds pretty quick that you gained on the on the maintenance phase. Now you're cutting cutting back a little maybe harder or maybe the same and you're losing that weight back and it's like, "Oh, man, I just needed a break
1: yeah i'll be honest to you You know keep in mind um everybody's needs are different um i have a relatively sedentary job nathan does not so automatically despite him being a lighter lifter his maintenance calories are likely a lot higher than mine mm. um i have a client and chris treese who's been an awesome client to be honest with you we've put you know 60 pounds on the guy um way stronger than he used to be that guy's maintenance because of his work he's a he's a diesel mechanic but he's a foreman. Um, so he's all over that shop all day. He wa- he walks about 20 miles a day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: His maintenance calories are legitimately like 5,200 calories. Yeah. I have dropped him below 5,000 calories and watch him waste away in a matter of weeks. Like, you know, go from 230 to 200 because, you know, we're eating 4,000 calories. Right. That sounds like a lot of food, but like everybody's needs are different. If you're walking 20 miles a day, like Chris is,
2: like, mm-hmm.
1: likely you're going to be... He's a very muscular man, too, so likely you know your calorie needs are gonna be much much higher than me or Nathan's. His calorie needs I know are higher than Nathan's um despite being a lighter lifter, a weaker lifter, like everything else, but he's just simply working harder mm-hmm. at least physically, yeah no, no offense to you, no, but no. at least physically, he's doing more than you are on your job day, yeah, like so like you know these things are fluid, and your job may change. You may go from working a chris a uh, job like Chris does to being the manager where you're sitting in an office all day. Well, if Chris was to do that, his maintenance calories might go from 5,200 to 3,200 mm-hmm. because he goes from walking 20 miles to walking two and a half a day. Right. That's a fucking big dramatic dramatic difference. So, like, <clears throat> those are all really, really complicated, nuanced things, but that's something that we should all consider. Like, I have to be very, very careful about this because if I look at my body scan, a pound of muscle nets you generally about 50 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Well, by that, I could eat 5,000 calories a day, and that's my maintenance. That's not my maintenance, though, because I sit on my ass all day. Right. But, like, if I had an active job like Chris, I might have a 6,000-calorie maintenance because I'm bigger than him. Mm-hmm. But that's not the fucking case. So you need to make sure, like, you need to be honest, like, nobody, when you're checking that box on MyFitnessPal or whatever app you use to track calories, nobody's as active as they think they are. hmm so you need to be very, very careful just because you think you work hard to check that very active box because that might not be a misleading idea of how many maintenance calories you should be having. Right. Uh, I was in that habit for a very long time. Like, well, I'll work out five times a week. Like, I'm very active. Right. No, I'm not because at the time I was working a desk job and didn't do shit all day until I got to the gym. Mm-hmm. Like, so there needs to be. You need to have some type of awareness and you also need to be willing to always check the box less than what you think you are. If there's uh sedentary, mildly active, active and super active, if you think you're super active, you're probably active or mildly active. Mm-hmm. You're not you're probably not as active
0: as you think you are. I think <clears throat> the, it may be juggernaut that that did uh this checklist, but they were like how much you lift in in the the gym and then how much how active are you outside of the gym? Like, what is is your job active? Like, do you go on walks? Is it like, what, yeah. like stuff like that? Which is really how you should be looking
2: at. Yeah,
1: it. absolutely. So, I mean, it's a very, very nuanced answer. Like, just think about a two hundred thirty person, a pound person can cut on forty eight hundred calories.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you could be six hundred pounds and may not be able to cut on forty eight hundred calories right. if you're sedentary, and you probably are if you're that big. Right. Yeah. But like, so everybody's needs are very, very different. Um. And that's something that I would honestly suggest over over an app or your Apple Watch. I would very much suggest a buy scan for, mm-hmm. but uh, you know those are things that you need to be like hyper aware of. Yeah. Um, and also, your basal metabolic rate is not your cutting calories. That's how many calories you burn laying in bed all day. So mm-hmm. keep in mind, like, just because your BMR is twenty six hundred calories, you may still be able to cut on thirty six hundred calories, mm-hmm. depending on you know your activity level through the day. Yeah. So there's some give and take if you have an app or anything like that that does track how many calories you burn it can be fruitful because you know you basically as long as you look down at your watch and it says you've burned 46 and your bmr or your uh your maintenance is 45 then you know you lost weight that day yeah yeah so use those tools to your advantage
0: i need to get my watch charged up and start using it it'd probably
1: be helpful you'll yeah. probably get it you know those things are obviously – they have a huge – I actually have a pretty huge margin for error, but the margin of error doesn't matter so much as long as you're just using it for a daily – as long as it's for, like, daily guidance, if that right. makes sense, yeah. Like – um, You just need to be in the area, mm-hmm. like, you know. So, I mean, those things can be really, really powerful tools. But I guess, you know, the the bottom line and the message behind this is exactly what I said – You need to try to cut on as many calories as possible and you bulk on as few calories as possible to help maintain body composition throughout a cut or a bulk.
0: Yeah. So, makes perfect sense to me.
1: We could get more detailed about macros and whatnot, but probably don't have time for that.
0: Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm a little zoned out. I don't know if that hit me kind of hard. It may be because I'm eating less, but that kind of, I'm kind of like out of it.
1: Yeah, I'm a a (laughs) little bit too. I can't lie to you. So, fucking watermelon old fashioned. It was good though. Like, it was. Drank the whole thing. Was it better than Shittles? I think so. You think so? I think so. Shittles was
0: surprisingly good though. It was good. It was it was very sweet though. This wasn't quite as sweet. It's had a no, little I, more and it's probably just just 'cause it's artificial that had a little more flavor. Yeah, I don't know
1: that uh, I don't know that I could do Shittles again, but it was surprisingly good for no. what it was.
0: I was perfectly fine with drinking it. Like taking shots of it, no big deal.
1: It's over with fast. What is what yeah. his dad jokes?
0: Dad jokes. Oh man, I think I've told this one before, but I I told one to one of my bosses, um, at work, and it was um. Actually, it's it's funny. I actually made this one up a long time ago when I was working at Cracker Barrel, because I was trying to come up with really bad dad jokes, and it's uh, you know, I I stayed up all night. Trying to come up with a joke about the sun. And then it dawned on me.
1: Good one. (laughs) Uh, There's a new game started at my local sports club. Um, It's called Silent Tennis. Apparently it's a lot like regular tennis, but without the racket. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: So it was uh, 10 years ago today. One of my best friends, James, came out. Came running out of the room, screaming, it's a boy with tears streaming down his face. We never went back to Thailand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oof. I have a uh, contact lens problem. Uh, unfortunately, I have no
2: contact lens solution. <laughs> <laughs> Boof.
0: I left my job today because I I couldn't work for my boss after what he told me today. He said, uh, Mark, you're fired.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My wife asked me to pee on a jellyfish. She got stung by a jellyfish. Uh, She asked me to pee on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I peed on it, and I said, that's for stinging my wife. (laughs) (laughs) I butchered that one, but there's no other, you kind of had to have a workaround for that one.
0: My wife apologized for the first time ever today. Oh, really? She said that she's sorry she ever married me.
1: Accurate. (laughs) Ouch. I ran out of food and had to steal from my my next door neighbor's herb garden. Mm. Uh, I'm living on borrowed time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's not good for us.
1: (laughs) I'm curious what it was. I can't believe I forgot to go to the gym today. That makes five years in a row. (laughs) Oof. That's very untrue of us. Right. Which celebrity is always ready for cereal? Reese Witherspoon? (laughs) 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 That's all I got. I'm tapped.
0: Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any any other good ones.
2: Ah, this bad. I mean, let's be honest, they're um, all kind of bad, right?
0: But... All right, we'll we'll end it here. What's the difference between a Lamborghini and a dead body? What? I don't have a Lamborghini in my garage. <laughs> that's pretty good shit right there. <laughs> All right. I guess that's, that's it for today. We kind of went on yep. pretty big tangent. And... It is what
1: it is. <laughs> um, follow us on uh, Instagram at Coleman underscore barbell at Nathan Scadio's at sip it and rip it. Um, listen to us on Spotify, um, Apple podcasts, leave us comments, rate us five stars, um, subscribe to us on YouTube. Watch it there. Um, is that all of it
0: I, I'll i be honest I zoned out a little bit and hear me out I wanted to say this regardless do you smell pop-tarts chocolate pop. I wish I
1: fucking smelled pop-tarts
0: so I smelled chocolate pop-tarts and then for whatever reason I went back really far to like la- cool. last year when we were doing the podcast <laughs> and we were in the dinosaur and the the cow suit that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> I, dude, I what else what, did you put We, in we had
1: some fucking, we had some fucking epic dad jokes at the beginning know that one. <laughs>
2: it, it is what it is. All right, bye y'all. <laughs>